Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to Crunch Time. Cosy Pickett snaps! It's a goal! You won't believe it! Melbourne have stolen the impossible! And Cosy Pickett's the hero at the MCG! Carlton Hart's breaking right across the nation. It's a cruel game. Salem at centre-half back, bashes it back into the middle of the ground. Marchbank desperately. Melbourne have done it. (laughs) Melbourne have stolen it at the MCG. Blues hearts shatter. But the red and blue flag flies high. And Melbourne fans will be flying high this morning after last night's thriller at the MCG. Of course, Carlton fans, their hearts still broken. It all comes down to next weekend against the Pies. A kick for Yugel Hagen. Got it! Full stretch, tipped it up, marked it on the way down. To put the dogs in front, Yugel Hagen's nursed it through. Fogarty to take the margin to 17 points and kick his third. He's hit it absolutely beautifully. Loves it. The confidence. The kids growing. Henry Little tip kick over the top. Unselfish play. Parfit point blank range says thank you very much. And on the final siren, Geelong stamped their authority with another goal, making it their 18. Can Walters get a handle on it? He can. Throws it on the boot. And the game is over. And Michael Walters... Seals it with a snap goal. A couple of goals for Sonny Walters as the Dockers keep their top four hopes alive with a wet and fiery win over the Eagles in Derby 55. Jamara stands tall in the final term to get the Dogs over the line against the Giants. It means the Bulldogs are still, that's right, still in the hunt for finals. Darcy Fogarty kicks four goals as the Crows ruin inspirational ruse midfielder Ben Cunnington's fairy tale AFL return. And the Cats, well, they are minor premiers for 2022 after a dominant performance against the Suns. We will unpack all of that and more right here on Sunday Crunch Time. Good morning, everybody. It is great to have your company here on Sunday Crunch Time. I am at the magnificent MCG where last night we saw an absolutely epic game of football between Melbourne and Carlton. But right now it is AFLW at the G, a practice match between Richmond and Hawthorne as we head into the AFLW season. Just 11 days to go until that all kicks off. As I welcome in my co-host this morning, Josh Jenkins, who's down in in the fabulous G-Town. JJ, welcome to you. Ah, oh, Matt, uh, what a pleasure. It's a shame uh, we aren't face-to-face in the same room, but uh, nevertheless, I think we'll still be able to produce uh, really good radio. <laughs> as always, as always, it is brilliant to have you here with us this morning as we go through the Saturday wrap for the Werribee Izuzu Ute. They make buying cars easy. And uh, if you missed it, 
This is what happened on a super Saturday. The Bulldogs, well, they were given an almighty fright from the Giants, but prevailed to keep their finals hopes alive. Adelaide, as I mentioned, overcome a spirited North Melbourne side, but Luke Davies, Uniac, an absolute shining light for North Melbourne. 37 touches yesterday. He has had a magnificent season so far. Geelong, as we mentioned, continue their dominance. That's 12 wins straight now. We'll get to you and chat about that. In a moment, Cozzy Pickett, the hero last night at the MCG, breaking Carlton Hearts all around the world. And the Dockers with Sean Darcy, an incredible performance. He's the Glenn Denning Allen medalist in the Derby 55 last night. So that was the Saturday wrap for Werribee Izuzu. You'd upgrade your old ute into D-Max. Now they're paying top dollar for trade-ins. We start, as always, JJ, with the winner's and losers from round 22 so far. I think there's only one place to start that today, and that is with Ben Cunnington and his return after 385 days on the sidelines. He's overcome two bouts of cancer, and this was him speaking after the game. Especially where we've come from, um, and Belinda's been right there from the start. Um, we had three little kids. We, we just had a newborn, and then about a week later, I started, started chemo, so... She's been a rock, been there every bit of it. So I couldn't have, honestly, couldn't have got back without her. And then she's cried about two or three times in our whole life. And to see her in tears, it oh, wasn't the best prep, but it was good just to take it all in and appreciate where we've been. JJ, emotional scenes at Adelaide Oval yesterday. I mean, the Roos didn't get the win, but it wasn't about that. Running through the banner with his three children pregame, we put the jumper on. He had a tear in his eye when he did that for the first time. This is one of the best, if not the best, story of 2022. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, I don't know. I can't recall the last time, if ever, we've seen a player running onto the ground in tears and we, uh, we absolutely understand why, and it was quite remarkable to see it, to be honest. And uh, I think we can all, we can all try and, and, and understand what he has gone through and a uh, similar situation with Sam Doherty. We can all try and empathise and think we understand how hard it might be, but to have actually lived it like Ben has, and uh, as he said, uh, having to go through chemo is one thing. Having a newborn is, a, is another mm. thing. You know, those... Uh, of us and, and everyone listening who have had kids, young babies are hard enough, let alone, yeah. you know, when one half of the family is going through chemotherapy, the other half is, you know, um, you know, having to be the rock and having to do, you know, all the parenting. So, yeah, what a remarkable situation. And it was really good to see. I know they didn't get the result, but it was really mm. good to see the Kangaroos play a yeah. spirited performance, as you said, and put up a, a performance worthy of his return because he does that or he has done that for them and it was good to see them do that for him. Yeah, no, it was absolutely fantastic. And uh, now that he's got that one game under his belt, I think um, I was listening to to a couple of people speak about this after the game, but he really wanted just to get a couple of games under his belt so that he didn't have to come into 2023 having to prove himself. He knows that he can get back and he can play at the level 17 touches and three clearances yesterday. So I think just building that momentum towards 2023 and getting a full preseason. But certainly Ben Cunnington, we all tip our hat to him and his family and, and all that they've been through and, and what they've been able to achieve in terms of his recovery, but also getting back to playing AFL football. Any other winners for you? That was a big one for mine, but I'm sure yeah, you've got the cats in there somewhere. Oh, uh, not really. The cats did, uh, well, they did more than, you know, they did more than just go up there and get the job done. It was a very comprehensive performance, a 10 goal win. 
Um, oh, the last night's game was it just had so much riding on it. I know we'll talk about it uh, at great in great detail a little bit later. But the, the, in terms of the latter positions, you know what was riding on the the Carlton Melbourne game at the oh, uh, venue that you were sitting at, like just incredible. Found myself. I never do this, and I found myself checking the ladder. You know, <laughs> almost every time there was a goal scored to try and yep. work out what the it live meant. ladder. Yeah, what it meant. So you know that was just enormous, and uh, it's a five point uh, margin, but in the end, it means a whole lot more than that. So I think the Western Bulldogs escaped. They're not necessarily the winner of the round, but they escaped being the big loser of the round uh, yeah. for sure because they just fell in against the Giants and. Yeah, I mean they 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 just occasionally you just they're just the hardest team to get a read on the dogs. They just I know they won yesterday, but the Giants were down on soldiers with not much to play for, and 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 they put up a fight. So the dogs avoided being the loser uh, of the round, but even though they won, I don't know that they would be scaring too many with performances like that. No, I mean, the weird thing is, so they win by five points. Their percentage did not change one iota. It stayed exactly the same, which is not really what they wanted. And so they needed Melbourne to not only beat Carlton last night, but to beat them quite convincingly to kind of help them in their cause when it comes to percentage as well. But as we know, it's all going to come down to the wire to the last round and Sunday, I'm just, I'm already excited. I mean, I know we've got a big game of football coming to us uh, this afternoon, Sydney and Collingwood at the SCG, Mm. but I'm already looking forward. I want to fast forward seven days and just get to 3.20 at the MCG for Carlton and Collingwood because that is going to be absolutely massive. Yeah, it will be. It it was kind of the perfect result last night, wasn't it? Yeah. With with the uh, Blues now needing to, well, not... Not, not necessarily uh, having to win, but uh, if they do win, then they know that their fate is sealed. So it's yeah. kind of the perfect result. And next Sunday, uh, it will be just something to behold at 3.20. I imagine there'll be 90-plus thousand in the house. I uh, had someone chasing tickets a couple of weeks ago, and they said already that it was very hard to get hands yeah. on anything uh, remotely decent in terms of, you know, close to the, uh, to the action. So, yeah, can't wait for that. But that is, as you said, overlooking what promises to be a magnificent game this afternoon up there in Sydney. And uh, Collingwood, uh, uh, vicious outsiders, despite having won 11 straight. Yeah, I know. It's crazy to think. I'm I'm really interested to see how they go on a smaller ground like the SCG. Um, just we've covered the winners, but uh, looking at some losers, and unfortunately, I don't like using that term either, but we've all been talking about Max King after Friday night, and I really feel for him. I mean, you... Um, you probably know what it's like to have the yips at some point and to be battling that little person on the shoulder, self-doubt when you're lining up for goal, but zero goals, five behinds, and you could just see it on his face, like he was carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders in that game. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm really feeling for him because it's not going to get easier, any easier next week either. Yeah, it's one of the, it is one of the worst feelings in footy. Into you know when you when you lose a close game and you've kicked inaccurately as an individual. Now uh, you know St Kilda have kicked uh, nine goals seven aside from from Max King's contribution, so they haven't been too bad. It was it was it was all Max and. I uh, I saw I, I was um, I wasn't uh, watching necessarily, and then I, it caught my eye. Matthew Lloyd was really doing a bit of a deep dive on 
on Max King's mm. technique. And and there is a clear flaw in his technique. It is. I, I hadn't noticed how clear. I probably hadn't looked at it closely enough. But uh, usually with goal kicking, uh, in my opinion, it's it's yep. above the shoulders. He has a he has a te- he has a really clear uh, technical flaw in his kicking style. He, he he has nowhere near enough momentum when he tries to kick the ball, and yep. and thus to generate the power, he leans back to try and swing his leg through way too hard. So it is clear. Uh, it's apparent. Matthew Lloyd uh, identified it beautifully on the on the Sunday Footy Show. The problem is Matt. St Kilda want no part of any external assistance. They they want it Why to be. Why are they handy. being so stubborn on this? Do you yeah, think? They, because they are. it's just I, crazy. I, think, I mean, even even the messaging. Just say, yeah, look, we're gonna. I mean, you 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 should be saying we will explore every avenue possible. Yes. We think we've got people who can help him inside the club, and I imagine Jared Ruffhead's probably one of those. He yep. has a role uh, across yes, um, he does. a few different platforms at the Saints. I imagine he's working with Max King, but. Sometimes, uh, you know, Jared's been there for a couple of seasons. Sometimes you don't necessarily mesh with with every player. So, you know, maybe what Jared's teaching Max is not necessarily translating or it's not relatable for Max and someone else might need the opportunity uh, to teach him because if it was a mental thing, then it's more about building confidence through repetition and, 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 and believing in your routine. Uh, but if, for him, it is a technical flaw. It is a real technical flaw. So he can't get the mental confidence in his kicking ability until he's, uh, the technical aspect of his kicking is sorted out. Now, I used to have a, I had a, I had a, a, a kicking routine that I actually hated. I hated my kicking really? routine, but it, but it became so apparent to me that if I, if I, if I did it every time. Uh, to the and went and nailed the absolute detail of it. Sometimes, and this will sound really silly. Uh, sometimes I uh, had uh, I was like, "Yeah, that's a goal," and the ball hadn't hit my foot yet because I just done the routine uh, and nailed every part of the detail. Now, the reason I didn't like it is because I would lick my fingers and wipe my shorts and skip and breathe <laughs> and do all these types of things. And I got I kind of just acquired them over the years. Yeah, right. Started out with licking the fingers because I didn't want the ball to feel slippery in my hands. Yep. And then but I want to skip because I'm not getting enough momentum. So that forces me to sort of move a bit quicker. So I just acquired them over the years. And 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 when I watch it back, I'm like, geez, I look like a fool. But if I didn't do it, I, I you know, the, the little man inside my head yeah. would say, you're not doing your routine. You're shortcutting yep. yourself. So, uh, you know, once you get really uh, to a routine that's really trustworthy, you can actually become that confident uh, in your kicking that that if you go after that routine, you know it's a goal. And Max is is nowhere near that 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 um, that part of his career because a he hasn't had a lot of repetition either. He's only been in the system for a few years. Once he's been in the system for six, seven, eight years, he understands how he kicks the footy. It will be different, but it is very surprising and and a little ignorant that St Kilda are, are closing themselves off to external help because there are so many people who are. Uh, able, but also Matthew Lloyd said on countless occasions, he's more than willing to help him. Yeah, and he reached it. And obviously Max feels comfortable because there is a relationship there. And I think you go back to, you know, 
even school days, everyone learns differently. And sometimes it's just the way that it's said or shown to you. You just need to hear a fresh voice mm. or, or a different um, point of view on things to kind of have everything click into gear. And from what it sounds like with Brett Ratton post-match, um, he talked about how he's always out there doing extras. Um, he's trying his best to, to practice that repetition that you spoke about. But if his technique is flawed, then that repetition's not really going to do him a whole lot of good. <laughs> serving so, him. Yeah. No, it's serving exactly. Him poorly. No, it's actually serving him poorly because yeah. he, he's practicing bad habits. He's practicing yep. a, a flaw in his technique. He's only actually – all he's doing is ingraining the habit uh, to be worse and worse and for it to be harder to be – but even I don't know, Max, I've never met Max. I've, um, we share – we used to share the same management group. So I, I've heard a lot about both of the boys. And uh, I – you know, maybe, maybe Max – needs to as you said you know people learn differently maybe having the St Kilda uh training gear on going out at uh training at Moorabbin and, and and trying to fix it maybe that's the that maybe that's the trigger that 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 tightens him up maybe he needs to mm. go and do it on his day off he's wearing you know some casual clothes and he's at yep. a ground he's not familiar with where he thinks that no one can see him and and no one knows him because that's the thing about goal kicking everyone's looking at you everyone's yeah. focused on you you know, if he's got teammates around, they're probably you know you know giving him little digs, which don't mean anything to them, but mean a lot to him. So, uh, yeah, he's it's it's um it is a bit of a worry for him. I do I do firmly believe like he doesn't have a terrible goal kicking action, but I, I I do believe he will eventually kick it, but he will need uh you know potentially more help than he's getting at the moment. Yeah, I mean, he will because no doubt that Max King is so talented. He's going to be a star of the future, that's for sure. But 47-41 is what he's kicked so far. So 53.4% um, accuracy at the moment. Uh, certainly needs some work. And it's not something he's going to be, t- be able to turn around really quickly. So I do feel for him for next week when the Saints run out there, all eyes will once again be on him and... Uh, yeah, I hope that he can try and uh, kick a little straighter and at least turn things around. So that was Max King and his goal kicking. Really good insight from you, JJ. I, I enjoyed that. I actually didn't. I, I like to notice people's run-ups and we, we talk about, you know, Ben Brown and, and the like and everyone's set routine. Matthew Lloyd picking up the grass. Like we used to make fun of him as, as fans, like doing that. But clearly part of his routine and if he didn't do it, probably wouldn't have been um, as accurate. So a nice little insight there from you on on goal kicking and, and routines. All right, still plenty more to come here on Sunday Crunch Time. It's the big one, Melbourne and Carlton. We're going to dissect it all right after this. The award-winning Crunch Time. Come on, left was it? What did you kick it? 15 seconds. That's pretty clutch, eh? Cozzy's a good player. He's been playing some good footy this year. That was his moment. We were on the wrong end of our moments last week, and we studied it a lot. Like the last 10 minutes of the Collingwood game, we watched a lot. And you saw some good stuff in that last 10 minutes. We were able to hold our nerve. Yeah, they got some goals, but it was good footy. Well, with all of that study that you did do during the week, what was Goody saying then when it's three points at three-quarter time? Yeah, I was trying to watch him throughout that last quarter. Um, he kept on putting up as many fingers as he could for five, for four, for three, for two. In the end, we only needed 10 seconds at the very end. But, um, yeah, just cool, calm, composed. Play the Melbourne way. We've been playing forward half footy for about four weeks now. Unfortunately, lost to Collingwood, but um, the, brand, the brand's there. 
Clutch Cozzy breaks the Blues heart as the D's, whew, they get over the top of Carlton in an epic at the G last night. You're listening to Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camels call Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. It means that the D's are back in the top four. They're 15 and 6. And for the Blues, unfortunately, 12 and 9, they're seventh. They must win next week against Collingwood to confirm their place in finals. Otherwise, they're going to need to rely on other results to go their way. JJ, this was an absolutely cracking match at the MCG. And we, and we heard Max Gorn there, the skipper, talking about how much they'd studied during the week and paid attention to, you know, how to close out a close game or finish after they lost to, to Collingwood. They've been on the, the wrong end of a few tight um, games so far this season. But on the flip side, Carlton just didn't have that composure in the last 90 seconds of the game. Yeah, indeed. They, uh, they, I, I couldn't. Now, I, I'm looking forward to getting into the uh, to the club tomorrow because we, uh, you know, obviously get access to every game and the behind-the-goals vision of yes. of every game. I'm just really interested to have a look and don't really want to go off half-cocked without having seen it. But from the uh, broadcast vision, I, yeah. I just can't understand how, to me, it looked to be a 4v4. The last contest where Cozzy yes. Pickett kicks the goal, that looked like a 4v4 contest in, in terms of what I saw on the TV screen, and for that to be the case, if it was the case, mm. just 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 madness from Collingwood uh, from Carlton. They had uh, they had multiple opportunities to get players back. It you know clearly wasn't from a centre bounce. They had yep. the opportunity. Phil Davis in the commentary was saying, "You only need yes. two forwards. You only need two ahead of the ball, and if you're going to make a mistake, have none ahead of the ball. Have everyone behind the ball, yep. but to not have to not have." Any spare Carlton players uh, inside that contest or at that contest, just just startling. And uh, that will be, hopefully, you never want to, as a player, do a um, uh, fast, uh, bring your, your your review forward to Sunday. But that will be one that the players want to see as quick as possible because those who perhaps, you know, your high half forwards or your wingers who should have been back around behind the ball, they'll be... Uh, I don't think they would have slept much last night. I don't think they'll sleep much tonight until they get past that review and get a little clip about what they are supposed to do and why they didn't do it. Because you know, in big moments, those are the things that stand up. Those are the things that you need uh, the most. And, you know, you give great credit to Cozzy Pickett and Melbourne, but it was one that, that Carlton contributed to that so much. You, 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 it's okay if you get beaten, but don't beat yourself. Yeah, and that was, I think Matt Owies will be, always sorry, would be another one that sort of had a sleepless night because 90 seconds to go, Charlie Kernow takes a mark, he chips it around, goes to Harry Mackay, and then Owies, he, he just had to hit Adam Saad, who was, I don't know, 15, 20 metres away, and, and he missed the target, and it forced Saad to have to play on down the line and kick to a, a contest. I mean, if they'd just hit that target and chipped it around a little bit more, they may have been able to to hang on in that last minute as well. And you can't pinpoint it on one because – and I don't want to focus on that either because I thought that the way Carlton um, took it to Melbourne and played was excellent for most of the night. And um, it's just unfortunate because I, I honestly thought Carlton were home late in that game. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, I just thought sure. they've got this. For sure, they look like they'd done enough, but you need to have a look also. Carlton's biggest strength has just has just left them for dead, and a lot of that is personnel. So 
you know, Matt Kennedy, uh, yeah. George Hewitt, yep. and Adam Chera was Chera a laid out, out last yeah. night. So that, that, they get beaten up around the ball there. Minus 19 contested possession. That is, that's been, that was what made them look uh, like our top four or at least a finalist early yeah. in the season because their midfield unit, the synergy, their shape around the ball, their ability to, to find each other by hand and then allow someone to break into space. That was the difference maker for them. Yeah, sure, they had Kerno and Mackay ahead of the footy, but they were getting such great supply because the Carlton on-ball brigade was so dominant. Well, they got beaten up last night by the Ds, who we know how we know how good they are. Yeah. But Carlton needed to take it to them. Carlton needed to at least uh, level that off. And if they do level that off, they win the game. I've got no doubt about it. So some 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 fatal errors late in the game, but perhaps if they were able to get uh, some more ascendancy around the footy, we may not have been in that situation uh, at all. But the second half, in terms of a spectacle, mm. uh, that was a final. The second half yeah. was a final. So Carlton should take a tiny little bit of uh, positivity from the fact that they know they can stand up. 55,000 in the house, it would have felt like 75. That was a final. The second half of that game was a final. So they can take some confidence from the fact that, look, if we do get there, then we can stand up and be counted. Yeah, and good preparation for next week against Collingwood where it's going to be literally an elimination final, as as Michael Voss put it in his post-match press conference last night. So they're going to have to do it, I guess, the hard way in a matter of speaking, Carlton, next week at the MCG. I mean, you mentioned as well the midfield mix for the Blues, but Chera being a laid out meant that Sam Doherty had to play four quarters worth of footy in the midfield. I'm not sure when the last time he would have done that was, but he was pretty good. 28 touches, six clearances and 10 tackles as well from Sam Doherty. But the man for me that stood out last night, Jake Melksham, I don't even know if I can remember the last time I saw him play as good as footy as that four goals. And you could see the hunger. So looking at Melbourne's side last night, uh, Jake Melksham was one of, I think who's the other one just slipped my mind. Uh, Jake Melksham and Jaden Hunt are the two that didn't play yep. in Melbourne's premiership last year. You could tell that they were hungry because the two of them were pretty huge in the last term in particular. Yeah, indeed. I mean, Jake Melksham had that outstanding season in 2018 when the D's made it to a prelim final uh, before getting wiped off the park by West Coast. But they, he, I think he kicked 40, 40 to 45 goals that season. He played almost as a pseudo key forward. He, and we saw some of that last night. The mark late in the final term in a, in a large pack between three blues. I'm he, now should, from a, he had no right to take that mark. <laughs> from a Carlton perspective, uh, that won't be pre- pretty viewing either. But that, you know, let's look at the positive side of it. That was an outstanding mark. Mm. Uh, he just played. He's got that capability. He's a dangerous player. He's a little bit of an in-betweener in terms of, you know, he's not big enough to command a, a, a key position role. He probably doesn't quite have the crumbing ability of some of the smaller players, but he is a good medium-sized forward. And you know, if Bailey Fritch is not there, then Malcolm's probably played almost every game across yeah. the past two years. But he showed last night that, you know, uh, it's going to be a hard side to stay in. But uh, as, you know, we always say to young players and players who are just getting an opportunity, uh, and Jake is not that, but he is in at that position on the fringes, make him drop someone else. And that's exactly what he's uh, done for next week. Yeah, this was Simon Goodwin talking about Jake Melksham after the game. Yeah, look, he's obviously, he's a bit of a malign player. Um, 
but he's worked incredibly hard. And his last month of footy for us, I think he's embodied a lot about our group. You know, we've got Jake Melksham that's been able to come in, not only play a role for us, he's played on some good players in the last month. You know, Darcy Moore, Lear Lear, tonight, you know, Weedering and then McGovern. Um, and then to impact the scoreboard. He's worked so hard to be a part of this team and he's getting what he deserves in the game. And, uh, you know, there's him, there's Jaden Hunt as well that have come in um, and had to fight and scrap their way into the team and they're playing to win and they're playing their role incredibly well. So uh, I'm really proud of both those guys. I want to ask you about Melbourne now. Are mm-hmm. they back and could last night's result be their round 23 2021 season moment that kind of launches them for the rest of what's to come which is finals uh it could absolutely it could and they'll have the belief not because of last night because of last year yeah um they're not oh, look they're not as dominant as they were early in the season that's for that is for sure but they've they've still got They've still got two phases of the game, which would scare everyone. Now, the midfield unit, Gorn was, again, he's just becoming a victim of his own high standards. He's not listed on, <laughs> uh, bought the paper, which is, uh, oh, he is, sorry, he's the last listed best player. Oh. He was outstanding last night, 20 yeah. disposals, 14 of them contested. He's just able to get involved in the game at ground level. He's so composed when he gets the ball, took seven marks, eight score involvements, which is elite for a Ruckman. And we know what he can do in terms of hit outs to advantage. He had 13 of those. So he, he, he set the tone. Pitnet took it up to him as much as he could, but it was just a mismatch in terms of, of, uh, of talent and, 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 and rucking prowess. And then it allows, you know, Oliver had been, I reckon Oliver had been down with the team a little bit. He'd been 10% off. Yep. I before that, Petrarca was 10% off. Uh, Oliver was strong last night. Petrarca was strong, but not a, at his absolute best. But Brayshaw behind the oh, ball, again, 38 disposals. So good. Uh, Jack uh, Jack Viney's been on a tear, 26 disposals. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think he laid 12 tackles. As, did he have 12 tackles last night? I thought he did. Maybe I'm mistaken. Sorry. Um, he only had four tackles. I think it was someone on Carlton who had four tackles. But Viney has been setting uh, setting them up in terms of, uh, the tone. He's been the tone setter uh, for Melbourne across the past few weeks. So if Viney continues to bring that, Max Gorn sets them up around the ball, then that aspect of the game will scare everyone, as will uh, what they can do behind the ball. So you know, Kerno was well held for a lot of the night. I know he kicked yeah. inaccurately, but Petty played on him. Uh, May played on Mackay, which was a good battle in the end. I know Mackay uh, kicks his three goals, but it was a good battle. May had 25 disposals going the other way, 10 intercept possessions. Uh, so that was a good battle. But the defensive stocks and the defensive unit, Lever was able to play spare because Petty can play on the yeah. on the second uh, or the shorter key forward. So they've still got two phases of the game, which would really worry uh, the opposition. Ben Brown, just the three marks last night. Is he doing enough, do you think? Um, he's probably just doing enough in terms of playing his role. Uh, he's not doing much more than that. and But he wasn't doing that much more last season. And then he came alive in the finals. He had a really good grand final. So they trust him. And I think that's important. Uh He's a workhorse, so he's not getting the rewards because he's not working hard enough. He's just a workhorse. You go yeah. and watch him live at a game of footy. He doesn't stand still. Does not stand still at, at any stage, and that's why he is hard to play on. He's limited in terms of 
the ways he can get the footy. He's not that versatile. He's not as agile as some other tall forwards, but he can lead hard at the ball. He's a very accurate kick when he gets his opportunities, but I think they trust him. So to answer your question, he's not doing enough and he's not doing as much as he's capable of, but they trust him to play a role. They trust him to bring the ball to ground. The ball came to ground for Cozzy Pickett because of a Ben Brown contest late in that game and, and clubs rate those type of things uh, incredibly highly. You know, him bringing that ball to ground ultimately sets up the game winning yeah. goal. So that is no, crucial. You're right. Yep, exactly. And you don't necessarily get a stat for that, do you? We will chat a little bit more about this game after midday when Nick Del Santo joins us on Sunday crunch time. I'm at the MCG. We're counting down to the game between Richmond and Hawthorne. After the break, Hawthorne assistant coach Adrian Hickmott is going to join us for a chat and then we will chat things all cats. Stay with us here on Sunday crunch time for Werribee Izuzu Ute. Upgrade your old Ute into D-Max now. They are paying top dollar for trade-ins. The award-winning Crunch Time. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camel's call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shop. Nat Edwards and Josh Jenkins with you on a Sunday morning. I hope you're having a fantastic weekend so far back at the MCG. We're counting down to the clash between Richmond and Hawthorne. A one ten start Eastern time. And it's AFLW at the G right now with the Tigers and the Hawks going head-to-head in a practice match. If you're interested in the scores, it's Richmond 4-2-26 to the Hawks. Just the one behind Hawthorne, obviously one of four expansion sides coming into the competition 11 days until AFLW Season 7 kicks off. Very exciting time. But right now we are joined by Hawthorne assistant coach Adrian Hickmont. Uh, Adrian, thanks so much for jumping on Sunday Crunch Time. G'day, Nat and Josh. Yeah, no worries at all. Now, uh, a big game here today at the G for the Hawks. Uh, Ben McAvoy, the skipper, we know what he's been through this year. We know what he's done for the club over the course of his career. But his last game today at the MCG, I'm sure the boys will want to send him off in the right fashion. Yeah, big boy. Uh, he's, a, he's a great man and a great leader. Um, you know, I've only been here for a year, but the, the what he's you know what he does and, and how he helps others within during the week, uh, training sessions um, and meetings and uh, education to the younger fellas. And then we know what he does out in the ground. He's tough tough as nails and we've seen the headband um, around his head most games. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, he's exciting to play with and, look, he's, um, he's going to definitely enjoy today. Yeah, I'm sure he will. I mean, Hawks obviously not in finals this year, but you can still have a say, I guess, when it comes to the final makeup of it. What's the mindset coming in to today? Because on paper, I think a lot of people would sort of say Richmond should win this one, but uh, I reckon the Hawks might be a sneaky chance today. Good on you. Yeah, no, look, we want to go and just be competitive. Um, we were competitive for the first half last week and we slowed down in the second half. Um, so our contest wasn't as good as we wanted to see it and wasn't consistent. So we're really keen for our, our young men to um, you know, be consistent for four quarters and be tough in the contest and uh, make sure that, you know, that Richmond know we're out there and you now we're going to give it um, a good effort in, in that contest. Adrian, good luck uh, this afternoon. Josh Jenkins here. You've won eight games, so that's... That's a, that's a large enough, uh, I guess, snapshot for you to assess those games and, and identify some 
some areas of strength and some areas of the game that you've been really good at. What what parts of the game have you really liked uh, this year, particularly in those eight wins? Yeah, good day, Josh. Yeah, uh, look, we we got a lot of young fellas that are running through the side. You know, some um, debutants through our draft picks and uh, our leaders um, throughout the year, working really hard to. Uh, you know, make sure we understand our game style, understand what we want during you know, pressure moments, and we've seen ourselves improve in those moments. Uh, momentum football uh, at the start, uh, first half of the year, we struggled with momentum, but we think we're doing a, um, a good job in that area throughout the games now, uh, and just seeing consistent footy and growth throughout the whole team, um, throughout the way we want to play, uh, and you know, give our members and fans something to cheer for too. One of the players I think uh, Hawks fans have been really impressed with and their development this season is young Finn McGuinness. Now, I've followed him through his under-18s season as well and he's developing into a great little stopper and, and tagger for the Hawks. Do you have a, a job potentially in mind for him today? And just talk us through his development this season as well. Yeah, uh, Finn, sorry, the siren went off there. We jumped a bit here, didn't we? Um, yeah, uh, no, Finn's doing an extremely good job. You know, he, when, when I first got here in uh, pre-season, his training in Worthick was fantastic. And now he's seen the rewards of that through his physical fitness and the ability to do a job and play a, a really important role for us on game day. Um, today we'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll make our mind up closer to the game on what his role is and what we can do. But, um, you know, his uh, leadership without without um, using his voice just by actions is really impressive. So he's a good young man that's improving all the time and um, he's growing, you know, we see him growing every every game that he goes out there. So it's exciting. Yeah, it really is. Emerson Jack is the other one. I mean, he drafted as, or came in as a mid-season recruit as a, a forward. Um, sort of, I was watching him in the VFL. He'd been playing defence, come back into the side. What, where does he sort of play today? Is it forward, back, or just kind of see where we need to go? Obviously, Mitch Lewis out of the side and, and has been put on ice for the season. Yeah, that, um, he's yeah, he started forward, as you, as you mentioned, in VFL and played a few games back. And he looks good back, so he'll play back today. Uh, his ability to read the play and uh, be aggressive in the contest is impressive for a young fella. And it's good to see him you know, play games in a row um, yeah. when, when you get... Younger fellas, or anyone, but younger fellas mostly play games in a row. They start to get belief, that self-belief that really drives them. And then with the leadership around them, um, they you know, start to feel belonged in the team, which uh, Emerson does. So that's exciting too. Do you still, I'm interested, late in the season when you know you can't make the finals, is it is it more of an internal uh, look at how you want to play the game? Do you still spend some time on Richmond or do you spend a lot of time on Richmond? Do you spend the same amount of time on, on the opposition as you would earlier in the season? Or do you sort of, once the finals are gone, do you really hone in on your own game? Yeah, it's, it's a good question, Josh. We um, you know, do the same amount of we do the same amount of um, observation or, if you like, research on the oppo opposition every week. We don't go, we don't go too much over. Um, we've got to our younger teams developing and working on their ga- our game styles. So we'll still put time in them. Uh, Richmond are a great side. We know that. They play tough and hard football and they play the game for four quarters. Um, so our guys know that. And in saying that, though, we still want to instill belief in our guys and our players to make sure they understand um, you know, coming up against really good sides and consistent sides over four quarters, which most teams are in, in AFL uh, in this day and age. It's, um, we can persist and... execute what we want under pressure. 
Uh, want to ask you about Mitch Lewis because there was an interview that he did recently and I'm going to read a little quote from it, but he said, Adrian Hickmont has been really good coming into the club from West Coast, obviously. He's a bit of a strange unit, but he's got a couple of tricks and secrets that get me up and about for game day and he keeps me motivated. So I'll thank Hick for some of that. What are these tricks and secrets that uh, he's talking about? Hello, I unplugged myself. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably waiting for the answer. Right, um, that's fine. And it wasn't through what you said. It was a... Uh question. What was the question he asked? We missed that right at the end. No, no, you're fine. Mitch Lewis basically just said in an interview that you're a bit of a strange oh, yeah, unit, but yeah. you've got a couple of tricks and secrets that get him up and about. Can you just bring us into the inner circle and <laughs> <laughs> share some of those things with us? Yeah, he did say that. I'm not sure. I'm so, I think, um, I suppose we think all, all think in our own ways a bit differently outside the, the box to get our players to be the best they can on game day. So I won't give my secrets away or our secrets away. Um, but yeah, Mitch is uh, a good young man. You know, he's working really hard at his football. Unfortunately, like I said before, he's um, he's been rested for the rest of the year, and he'll get back into pre-season and do a great job. But uh, look, we 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 love coaching. You know, that's why we coach is to see young players um, you know, develop and and then come out in the field and do what they do. So, and they're just the smiles on their faces is you know, special to to coaches to see them do that. So yeah, Mitch. Um, Call me, call me strange. I, I thought it was a compliment. <laughs> I think so. Well, there's plenty to like about this young hawk side and the way that they're going about it. Adrian, thank you so much for joining us on Sunday Crunch Time and best of luck this afternoon. Good on you, Nat and Josh. Thanks very much. Hawthorne assistant coach Adrian Hickmont there from the Hawks. We're counting down to this game starts at 1.10. So we've still got a little while to go as the AFLW side runs around. They've just scored the two behinds, Richmond 4-2-26 in this AFLW practice game here at the MCG. I want to chat a little bit before the break about the Cats and their dominance over the Gold Coast Suns yesterday and I was just thinking last night when I was going through and sort of reviewing the game and having a a closer look at it because I didn't get to watch all of it but I just don't know that I can see many weaknesses in this Geelong side JJ and obviously you can't speak too much about that but Reese Stanley went down yesterday a groin injury and I think if I had to pick one thing maybe it's the ruck situation but from your point of view um where's the improvement needing to come from for Geelong if any well you're really uh going after me labeling uh, <laughs> my, my area uh, of uh, of responsibility as the weakness but um it's a, it is a concern now I didn't travel up um with the team to the Gold Coast so I'm I'll reach out to Reese today and see how he is which more just to see how he is from a uh, from an emotional point of view because yeah, I imagine he'll get some scans tomorrow, maybe today, but likely tomorrow to see uh, what the deal is with that little adductor issue. Now, sometimes they can give you a fright and you can train Wednesday and you can play on. Other times you probably, you know, you might need to respect them and miss a game or two. So who knows? I saw... Uh, Chris was Chris Scott was a little unsure as well about it mm. and again until they get the pictures and see what it presents like from a clinical point of view tomorrow and the day after we won't be too sure but that's Jonathan Siegler was recruited to the club for uh, for a couple of reasons for for, for depth as one but because uh, the guys know that he can play at the level so he was really solid in his uh, club debut a couple of weeks ago and 
incredibly unlucky to miss out. It was, you know, 51 49 in terms of race or, 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 or yeah. uh, Seg's to get the second up opportunity. So uh, hopefully now, now Seg's missed the VFL game with, uh, he was in the concussion protocol. So that wasn't ideal. Yeah. You'd imagine, you know, his name will be right up there if Reese doesn't come up. Uh, we know that Mark Blitzarves can do bits and pieces. We know Jack Henry can fill in here and there as well. We've got uh, Asava Radigalia, who's played as a as a as a full time ruck in the past, and we've got young Toby Conway, who you know probably would be unlikely, but you can't uh, discount it because some of his some of his hit out work in the VFL for a first year ruckman has been absolutely uh, outstanding. So uh, it's a bit of a query, and it's one you probably prefer not to have, but. When, all things considered, everything else is going so well, you'd expect to have at least one little headache. Yeah, you need one. And selection headache is going to be the other one because over the past few weeks, there's been so many players rested and managed as we come in. There's going to be some unlucky players that miss out come finals, as is always the case. But Patrick Dangerfield, obviously, and Joel Selwood coming back uh, yesterday afternoon. Danger, obviously, getting through unscathed. Yeah, 24 touches. Such a relief that there wasn't a recurrence of that that calf injury that he had that... um, withdrawal the week before just due to some tightness. I want to ask you about Max Holmes. Two goals yesterday, 20 touches, 545 metres gain. I thought at the start of the season he played a really great block of footy and then unfortunately he had that ankle injury. He missed a whole chunk of footy and now he's starting to get back, raring to go. I just absolutely love what he puts out there on the footy field. Just talk to me about Max's development. Quite a, uh, quite a, he's an unassuming uh, athlete and he is actually a dominant athlete. He is a powerhouse. He's got huge quads on him for a young man. (laughs) He's got, um, he's, 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 he's got burst. He's got speed. He, he actually has some, he has some danger field traits in terms of his ability to run away from a contest. There was a goal he kicked. Uh, in yesterday's game where he just ran away. He, he, he took the ball up high, so he came come out of his stance and then he was able to come down with the ball and just explode away and kick a goal from, from 51 metres out. Now, Jeremy Cameron, I could see what was running through his mind. He wanted to just mark it and kick a goal and move one goal <laughs> yeah. closer to Charlie Kernow in the yes. uh, race for the Coleman. I think he made up two goals last night. Yep. So yep. he will it's give himself uh, West Coast. Uh, at GMHBA next week, look out for a big bag of goals from uh, from the EMU uh, to perhaps steal <laughs> another Coleman medal. But Max Holmes, he's, there were times last season where, and you know, when I was a player, you don't understand or you don't see the, the full picture where he was getting games and you thought, oh, gee, that's a bit of a surprise. You know, he's playing again and again and again. Having now I sit in those meetings and, and, and sit at match committee, it's just the ability for them to see an AFL player that's one or two or three years away and just allowing him to grow and blossom whilst in the team. And that's been the balance. And that's why you've seen players go in and out of the side all year because players like Max Holmes, uh, that gives them more opportunity to be fast-tracked. And you don't you know, necessarily get to that point where you might have to tip Max out to get someone else in. Uh, he's been able to stay in whilst fit and we're starting to see some of those uh, decisions uh, rewarded. 
All right, we've got still plenty more to come here on Sunday Crunch Time. We're at the MCG, the 110 Eastern Time game is Richmond up against Hawthorne. The equation's simple. The Tigers, well, the destiny for finals is in their own hands. They need to win their final two games. So this one at against Hawthorne at the MCG, also very important for the Tigers. Then it's the big one, 3.20 p.m. SCG Sydney up against the Red Hot Flag Pies. The Collingwood fans are up and about. Can they join the Cats and make it 12 wins in a row? We look forward to that one. And then to finish up the round, Essendon up against Port Adelaide. That game at Marvel Stadium, 4.40 p.m. this afternoon. So plenty to come. Nick Del Sando is going to join us after midday on Sunday, Crunch time plus we've also got Richmond assistant coach Xavier Clark stay with us the award-winning crunch time To crunch time. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is the pregame show for Thirsty Camel. Answer the Camel's call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. It's great to have your company on this Sunday. We're at the MCG counting down towards the Richmond and Hawthorne game here, a 110 Eastern Time start. Right now, it is AFLW at the G. It's Richmond, 7 345, uh, beating the Hawks 0. Two behinds, just the two behinds for the Hawks as they make their entrance into the AFLW competition, a practice game here at the MCG. Plenty to get through this afternoon. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. If you've been with us for the last hour, I do apologise. JJ and I going on lots of different tangents, but we've covered a lot of footy so far here on Sunday Crunch Time as we welcome in Nick Del Santo. Welcome to you. Good afternoon. Hello, Nat. Hello, Josh, and everyone listening in. Um, lovely to be here. I was here last night, about yes. 12 odd hours ago, and what How an intriguing game? game of football that was. And I come today with some anticipation and hopefully some excitement that we're going to get somehow a similar game. Now, I'm not quite sure what we're going to get from both teams. There's a lot still on the line. Hawks clearly haven't had the year that they've wanted, but have been competitive in the majority of their game. So I hope we get another absolute belter, which will lead us into next week. And then that's when there's a lot on the line next week. I'm excited for what's coming. Yeah, JJ, we love a banana peel game. Do you think today could be one for the Tigers? The equation's pretty simple. They just need to win today and next week in terms of making their way and locking their spot into the top eight. Otherwise, they're going to have to rely on some results to go their way. Uh, no is the short answer for you, Nat, <laughs> and your Hawks. I, I think, Thanks I for think the build-up. Oh, now I'm flat. <laughs> I, I think I think the I think the Hawks will keep it close, but I don't think. Uh, just looking down back, I know Sicily's there. He's a pretty good matchup for Jack Revolt in terms of uh, dimensions, bodily dimensions. But Tom Lynch looks like uh, he's one who might be able to get off the chain, and Cumberland's just been a, a revelation. So you know, what are they going to do with uh, Shea Bolton as well? I think there's just too much firepower for Richmond. So, and of course, too much as you said on the line. So I'd expect Richmond to get the job done. But Hawthorne have been, they've been a little bit plucky at different stages. They've been, you know, as I said, they've uh, they've won eight games. So they, they're not pushovers by any stretch of the imagination, but just too much on the line for Richmond. They're in eighth now. And if they win, they get so, so, so much closer to uh, an elimination final. 
though, as we look at the ladder, it is just so intriguing. And last night's game, we'll get to that in a moment, but it just played into that perfectly in terms of Bulldogs fans. They were mm. barracking hard for Melbourne, which would have been a little bit odd for them. But it's Geelong at the top. They sew up the minor premiership after a, a dominant performance yesterday against the Gold Coast Suns. Melbourne have moved Back into second spot, obviously Collingwood, Sydney. That game is going to be huge in terms of top two ramifications there. That game at 3.20 this afternoon at the SCG. But Carlton, so they're 12-9, and nine, they're seventh on the ladder. Then it's Richmond, 11-8. and eight. Uh, The Bulldogs on 11 wins and then St Kilda. We probably rule them out at this stage. But Carlton is the interesting one here because they're so vulnerable. And they're going to need to win, Nick, next week against Mm. Collingwood here at Mm. the MCG. A massive game. It's essentially an elimination final. And it's also Sunday afternoon. So there's three games on the Sunday. The first one's in Tassie, Launceston, and that's the Hawks and the Dogs. Then it is the Blues and the Pies. Then the final game of the regular season is the Saints and the Swans. So what I'm saying that for is... The Blues and the Pies will know exactly what they need to achieve to make finals or to be in the top four. So what a fantastic situation. And then later that day, the 440 game, the Swans will be in the exact same situation with the possibility, if they are to beat the Saints by a particular margin, of finishing in a position, home final, top four, double chance and everything in between. So, and I said this last night, I'll say it again, just from a footballer's lover's perspective, no particular hat on, no favouritism to any club. What more could you ask in the last fortnight of footy? And I feel like we've been saying this for probably the previous two weeks as well, that this is just setting for a great competition. Still so many things uncertain about certain clubs. Geelong is probably the one thing that we do know. They're a really good team and they're in as good a form as they've ever been based on what we've seen them perform previously to launch into September. I've still got some question marks over Melbourne. And I was here last night. We'll, We'll dive a little deeper into that as well, but... You know, how good could Sydney be? I'm not quite sure. Can Collingwood continue this run? I'm not quite sure, but it's a great feeling coming to any game when you actually have no idea how it's going to play out. I mean, this game, I've done the ladder predictor on afl.com. How many times? <laughs> like 20 times in the last 48 yep. hours, I reckon. I'm addicted to it. But, uh, you know, Sydney, Collingwood today, I, I have the, the winner of that finishing second on the ladder, essentially, at the end when it's all said and done. Yeah. So that's going to be so intriguing. But... Let's talk about last night's game and what you saw from the D's. What's your query? Uh, their forward line. Okay, is I think my, JJ's is my query. same sort of query. Do you want to fire away, JJ? You want me to? <laughs> well, you you go for You're it. You're the forward. I'll, I'll, no, no, you go for it because I want to. I'll tackle. I want to tackle. Uh, I want to tackle Carlton's issues. So you you attack uh, yeah. the positive. I'll take the glass half empty. <laughs> I'll, I'll join in with Carlton's last minute and a half as well, and we can <laughs> chat about that. But from uh, from the D's first of all. So you look at. The, the three lines on the ground, and yes, they do clearly need to work in together, but their defence for the majority of last night was rock solid. Yes, they made a couple of errors, but they always will when they are so proactive and come at the football like Lever and May do. I thought Jaden Hunt was really solid last night, a, a guy that's missed out in previous years, but I thought he was solid and sort of not necessarily cemented that position, but showed why he can play that really well. I thought his ball use was yep. great, drives his legs and all those things that makes him a good player. Middle is perfectly fine. Don't need to harp on what they're doing in the middle. I will mention Brayshaw and the evolution of this so man good. that you know was playing on the what we hear in football terms is the off-wing side, yeah. meaning you do all the selfless stuff and rarely get the football. He walks away with 38 disposals. I had Ridiculous. him best on ground again last night. So he's all Australian and, and has to be for me. But then you go to the forward line. And what I read into not playing 
Sam Wiedemann is they don't rate him enough when they know that they probably need another tall forward. They would much prefer to play Jake Melcham out of the goal square. Now, he is not a key forward, but he played the role of, as a key forward last night. He came out of the goal square and clearly, maybe career best game. I think he's yeah. kicked five before. He kicked four last night. So his influence on the game was substantial. I had him in the votes for, um, you know, for, for the way he impacted the game. Bailey Fritchell was extremely quiet. I don't expect him to be that quiet again. Ben Brown is as honest as the day is long. Yep. He, he will present. Um, I thought Lewis Young had the best of him last night and did a superb job, not only spoiling but intercept marks. I think he had a total of nine marks off the top of my head, Lewis Young. So, Cosie Pickett, moments, one mm. brilliant moment. Charlie Spargo's kicked nine goals for the year but plays more of that defensive forward sort of role. So I put that all together and my question is, once again, on the big stage, and this is sort of a contradiction seeing they have done on the big stage, I just don't know if they're going to be able to consistently put 16 on the board like yeah. we saw last year and whether we're getting a little bit caught up on the last quarter and a half in that grand final, which was blistering and taking nothing away from them. But that's still my question mark. Against a Geelong defence, for example, on grand final day, I don't know if they're going to get as many looks as they even had last night. Yeah, and you look at, say, Geelong and Brisbane and their attacks and their forward line, just so much more dynamic for, yes. for mine. Um, and they're probably the ones leading the way. JJ, your thoughts, I guess, on, on the Blues and what their queries are essentially going into what they hope will be the first final series since 2013. Well, well I want to ask Nick. Nick was there. Uh I so I watched on TV, Dal, and and I didn't think so. The last contest, and I accept, oh, he should have hit that target. Uh, he should yep. have been at your kick, kicking school. Uh, yep. when, Can I just uh, jump in there? We, we spoke yep. about this just to give that some clarity. He was trying to come from the ground because he was cramping in both legs. Oh, okay. So that ball was marked just that, in front of the bench, and I can't recall off the top of the, my head who it was. It might have been was it Kerno or Harry Mackay? Was it Mackay? Yeah. yeah, it was a key forward. He was actually trying to come from the bench, Josh. Oh, no. And got into a moment of space where, rightly so, they said, well, there's a free teammate. Let's waste some clock time. He received the ball and could not move. Then as he's given the football off, he hoddled, hobbled to the boundary line, the remaining 20 metres. He could not move, Josh. Oh, he didn't want to be a part of that's it. That's good context. <laughs> it is. It actually really is because, you know, uh, our man Kane blamed him for the loss. Now, he couldn't. <laughs> well, it was still his fault, but his legs weren't working at the time. <laughs> well, that's right. He kicked it like he couldn't uh, feel his legs. So that 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 explains a lot. But now, Dale, you were there, and I'm sure you were able to see the replay uh, numerous times. To me, the ball that went inside 50, Ben Brown brings it to ground because he pick it, yep. kicks the game winner. It looked like a 4v4 contest. Now, that can't possibly have been the case. Surely Carlton had extra bodies around the ball that I just couldn't see on TV. Yeah, well, it's, it's a very, very good point. And we spoke to Jake Melcham post-game about how much work they do during the week or in the preseason about saving the game. So that moment, the Blues had to save the game. They were in control up by a small margin. But also what you have to do to win the game. And what we identified last night, Josh, that one team knew how to do it yeah. and the other team wasn't able to do it yet. So the, the Jake Lever kick inside um, through the corridor off the back of that stoppage, which was right in front of us, was on purpose. He was about 5'10 off the stoppage and he was screaming at his midfielders, Petrarca, Oliver in particular, saying, and I, I couldn't hear him <laughs> given our position, but you could see from the actions and the pointing, if you get the ball, we're going corridor. But yep. also what had happened is the Ds had pulled all their forwards to the near side, so the, the near side of the commentary box, and left the corridor free. So if you are going to come through, they had all the space there. By absolute coincidence, it was Lever that the ball bubbled out to. 
He did a check, well, not a check side, a snap across his body at right angles because it was a 3v1 in yeah. the middle. They had numbers behind the footy, Josh, but not in a good position. They were too close together and therefore not able to impact in an even manner. Wherever that ball was going to land for the Ds, if it was to go forward, there had to be and there should have been a Blues player there and there wasn't. As simple as that. They didn't execute in the last 30 seconds. Yeah, and, 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 that, and, it's, and it's somewhat understandable because you don't, you know, the, you talk about Melbourne and Lever and May and uh, Hibbard. They've all played a lot of footy. They've been through these things. They've experienced it. Yep. You, can't just, you can't just click your fingers and get there. Carlton are living it on the run and they're experiencing a few of these things. And sure, there's some heartache along the way because that is, that is the rocky road that you've got to take to be able to experience and be uh, in those positions. And, you know, Weedering's probably the only one back there for Carlton. Doherty was playing around the ball a little bit more. Who would have been like, we don't look good here. McGovern's played back there for, you know, a half a season. Lewis Young's had a great season, but he's only been there for one season. So there too many of them just haven't lived that. They probably don't have the level of communication with each other that they would need. But yeah. being able to go back through it forensically, not not in not 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 an incredibly negative sense, just forensically, this is what we want to do. This is what you need to do. And and being able to use your voice, that's important. But being able to use your ears as well and listen to those yeah. who know what needs to happen is just as important. There's one word that bundles all this up from both teams and it's leadership. You know, the ability to identify a situation when you've ran 15 kilometres and you've got corkies and your mind's thinking about yourself, but it's about getting outside yourself. And I saw the Ds, multiple players, identify a moment yeah. of leadership. As you mentioned with the Blues, Josh, the, the Blues weren't dreadful. They competed really hard, but in those moments, they lacked identifying situations and what needed to but be done, which we young, bundle up as a leadership. a young sort of inexperienced group when yeah. it comes to these finals-like games. And I think they'll learn and take so much from what happened last night. And hopefully, I mean, you look at what's to come next week in seven days' time, they're going to need to harness some of that because it's probably going to be another very tight, hotly contested game next Sunday here at the MCG. So that's the D's game. We had a beautiful moment, and JJ and I talked about this um, off the top of the show, but just one of our big winners from this weekend was seeing Ben Cunnington, the inspirational North Melbourne midfield to return. It was such emotional scenes um, at Adelaide Oval yesterday. He, he returned after you know overcoming two bouts of cancer. He ran through the banner with his three children. He had a tear in his eye. It was just uh, an incredible moment. And North Melbourne tried their best uh, yesterday against the Crows. They really did. They tried to um, pay tribute to, to everything that um, he has overcome, but just fell short, unfortunately, against the Crows. The reason I'm bringing up North Melbourne is because I also want to talk about Jason Horn Francis, mm. who was missing from the side yesterday. He played VFL football. He had 29 touches in the VFL and he was dropped after, well, refusing to do an ice bath. I'm interested <laughs> to get both of your takes on uh, this one. I can't, I've never had to do an ice bath. So they're I, not great. Yeah, I can't like, imagine no they're good. No one really wants to do an ice bath, so... <laughs> I get it. <laughs> um, I think there's more to it. And Jerker, you and I covered this game last week and I thought you articulated it perfectly when we saw a moment and it's not the first time and I don't think it'll be the last time we see Jason Horn francis get extremely disappointed. It was just before half time, with about five minutes to go right in front of the bench, right yep. in front of the commentary box. And just to, to share that story, it, we both saw it and Josh and I looked at each other and we knew it wasn't good and it was based on his efforts and his action, which probably bundles up to be his attitude. It yep. just looked dreadful. 
Um, Sydney go on to kick a goal, I think, just after. And Brent Harvey, North Melbourne's runner, come out and spent a, a, a significant, significant amount of time, given the runner sort of on and off with him, putting mm. his arm around him. But I don't think it was a complimentary sort of conversation. It more looked like, hey, don't you ever do that again. Yeah. You get back on the football. If you turn it over, you chase and you fight until the death. But So when I saw his name being dropped, that was my instant thought. Jerk, I'm not sure exactly what you thought, but I was like, that's just putting a line in the sand saying, whatever happens at this footy club, whether it's frustration or disappointment or anger, you, you can't just stop and, and not try in a particular place. So that was my first thought. And then the ice pass, a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what to make of... Now, you know, Mitch Clear is one of the best in the business and I absolutely believe that he's been able to source that, you know, that I guess that uh, that hot take in terms of, you know, he wouldn't or he didn't do the ice bath for the right amount of time. And look, I've played at two clubs. One was really strict with recovery and, uh, you know, they would check the vision of who'd been through the swimming pool and who hadn't and ask you. And, <laughs> really? And club, wow. Yeah. And another yeah. club who... No trust them, whatever club that was. <laughs> we'll have to work through that. No trust at that football club. And another club who who, um, who we don't didn't even have recovery. It was, it was just, um, if you need it, we trust that you'll go and do it. You will go into the club. You've got a swipe card. The club's um, accessible to you 24-7. If you need to go and do something, go and do it. So... Um, it's, I don't, I don't love the fact that there seems to be a, 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 an environment at North Melbourne where there's a stopwatch and you have to be in there for a certain amount of time because that, that just creates anxiety and annoyance and frustration and irritation. But you also have to, I'm really torn on this one because you do have to set a standard because it's okay for Nick Delcino at 33 to say, look, I'm, you know, I'm doing a six-minute ice bath here. I don't need to be in for 15 because he knows on the back of 15 years what works for him, how he feels. He might just want to chase it up the next day. Jason Horn francis doesn't yet know what works for him. He doesn't yet know uh, which corners he might be able to cut and which corners he can't cut. He can't afford to go around. Uh, so I, I, I'm really torn on it because the environment is one thing and it sounds like it is a very regimented environment, but... Also, you know, you need to um, guide your young players and you need them to follow the path. Well, firstly on me, the older I got, the more ice bars I did, believe it or not. <laughs> I was the opposite. I wasn't cutting corners. Like, I've got to do this every day and I don't enjoy it. I will say this about if that's what North Melbourne believe in yep. and when you play for that club, that's a non-negotiable. You do the recovery, whatever the designated time is, then you buy in. You don't, you don't have the option to cut corners, I guess is what I'm saying, Josh. And I'm with you. Like, you love a football club to have... Complete trust. Do whatever you need to do. You know, take some ownership of your own career. But if they're not in that position right now, and it doesn't sound like they are, given that they have a, have to have it extremely stru- um, structured, then do what you're told to do. If, yeah. if if it's good enough for everybody else, yeah. and yes, you are the number one draft pick, and we're we're, we're all over him. Like there's, it's almost a sign of affection. But the criticism and the critiquing of him is so high for a guy that's trying to find his feet at this yeah. level. So we've got to get that balance right. And he will make mistakes, and he's made a handful of them already. But if he is signed up to that and that is what they all do, then you can't have one saying, you know what, I'm going to just cut this a bit short. You can't let that slide. And whether being dropped is the right answer or that's too severe on the scale of punishment. But I would be shocked if that was the first time that he's done that. It it does seem very severe if you said, hey, ice bars are 10 minutes, for example, I did eight. Well, we do 10 here, mate. You're not allowed to play this week. And that just sounds very extreme. Yeah, it might have just been the straw that broke the camel's back. This was Lee Adams after North Melbourne's game yesterday speaking about Jason Horn francis 
No, I'm, I'm really happy that he went back and responded really well. Uh, I'm really happy with how the boys went today. Uh, back at home, that they had a good win today. Jace has had 30 possessions. Uh, Tara Thomas had a really good game back there. Um, really happy that they've responded well. Um, but no, no rethink of it whatsoever. I thought it was the right decision. So that was Lee Adams' take on the situation. I guess it's more complicated given the fact that there's so much talk about Jason wanting to move back home to South Australia. We know he is so very close with his mum, obviously, and I'm sure homesickness probably plays a little bit of, of a part in that. North Melbourne don't have a senior coach either. We hear that Alistair Clarkson has a five-year deal in front of him. There were rumours swirling yesterday at Adelaide Oval that it was in the crowd somewhere. <laughs> no one was able to spot him. But that appointment is going to be crucial, I think, to whether Jason stays or goes. I, I'm not sure that he's made his mind up and whether, if it is a Clarko comes in, can actually change his mind if he has decided he'd like to go back to South Australia. JJ, I don't know what your take is or your gut feel, both of you, on, on this situation, but is he there in 2023? I, I honestly don't know what you're talking about, Jason or Clarko, first of all. Jason. <laughs> I, I think I have no sight on this. I don't know what's in his heart and homesickness is a common um, answer for a lot of guys that aren't playing in their home state and you get it to a certain degree but you've also got to move at certain times yeah. to do what you love. So it sort of you know works both ways but in regards to the Clarko piece and I think we touched on this last week Hawthorne at its best were able to attract players because they were a really solid football club because they clearly had a lot of great players that if you got the chance to go there you could say hey I got to play with Buddy I got to play with Hodge and Roughhead and a handful yep. of those other guys but they also got to be coached by Alistair yeah. Clarkson. There's your big selling point as well. And they had an extremely good fitness program. So North Melbourne that has struggled to attract players to their football club. But now you have the capability of retaining players that you want. So it works both ways. So I think Clarko, clearly, if they were able to get him the Kangas, would have to have some sort of influence on Horn Francis. Is it enough to get him to stay or... I don't know where that sits, but it can't be bad. Let's put it that way. It's not going to be the, uh, the difference of him leaving. What would you want, JJ, if you're North and he leaves? What oh, is he worth? Gee, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> question without notice. Well, there were the the offers. There was a, there was a gigantic offer put forth uh, before they picked him, wasn't there? There was. It was Adelaide, wasn't it? Yeah, Adelaide put forth uh, put forth a massive offer. Now they seem to have they seem to have um, uh, put their chips uh, elsewhere with Isaac Rankin. I can't imagine mm. they can. Go after both, so that leaves Port now. Oh, I mean, what you would? I, I don't think from a so from a Port Adelaide point of view, I don't think he's, I don't think his stock has fallen that far in terms of what you'd still expect him to become. He's still, you know, you'd say, oh, let's get him into our environment. You're always going to, you know, have a bias toward your own environment and what he might be able to do if you bring him into the squad. So, I still think he would be. He would be so Port uh, Port are going to finish you know around twelfth so they're they're going to have maybe pick eight nine ten well it's going to have to be that and then something else else very very significant very yeah. significant so um, oh, I don't know probably he, he's almost well you know Jeremy Cameron was a three three round one picks with some stuff coming back the other way it have to be more than that wouldn't it yeah I'm I'm thinking. Minimum two yeah. when you're thinking first rounds. Now, there's Definitely. a big discrepancy between low first rounders and you know the yep. teens. But the other bit within it, JJ, is I think if you're North Melbourne as well, you say in some ways he's a proven product. 
So the risk of getting anybody through the draft is you're not quite sure how they fit into the lifestyle of being an AFL player Monday mm. to Friday, not sure how they perform on game day. He's averaging 16 disposals. Half of those are contested. Uh, he's just under four clearances, and he's in the uh, mid-200s for metres gained. So what that says to me is, for a first-year player, and we are hold, ho- holding him to a higher account than just a young man trying to make his way, but I think if I'm north, I'm saying, hey, you've actually seen him play at this level. He is more than capable. Give him an environment that you want, and this is almost when you're selling him back to South Australia. You want him, then you've got to pay for him as well. Mm. You're not giving him back for free. He cost us the world. They had a, you know, a lot of other offers on the table. They went with pick one, they take him, and now after 12 months you say, hey, he can play football. You've all seen it. Yes, he's had some moments that he'll be, you know, wish he had back, but all in all, there's no, I would think, two to three to start with, knowing that you're going to have him for 15 years if you're in South Australia. Well, it's certainly going to be an intriguing time, the off-season and the trade period. Uh, that was a little trade update there. Jack's Tyres and Auto are more than just tyres. Vehicle servicing is their best-kept secret. More than just tyres, Jack's Tyres and Auto. Time now, though, to get to dabble with Josh Jeans. Enjoying Crunch Time Banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time Bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. And Josh Jeans joins us from Dabble, as he does each week. Welcome, Josh. G'day, Nicky Dell and the team. How are you all doing? We're very well. We hope you are too. What's making news on the Dabble app this week? Well, I'll tell you what, it's pretty impressive. The Crunch Time team are doing pretty well. Last week, we had two winning multis. We had our goal-scoring multi on the Saturday get-up. And also the Sunday. So uh, the good luck charm, the trio, hopefully that continues today. And then what are the selections for today's multi, the all-important? That's right. Well, we missed by one point yesterday in our $10 multi. Uh, the Dorkers just couldn't get us, uh, that extra point, unfortunately. But uh, the Tigers, we've gone the Pies as well. I can't believe the price that uh, they're going out against the Swans. I know that JJ's jumped on them since they died in the Bombers. That's paying $6.83. Uh, what do you like there, Nicky Dell? I like all of it, but I'm enjoying Josh, Josh Jenkins' reaction. He's filthy about that. <laughs> no, I'm all good. I'm all good. <laughs> Is no, that what you fair. claimed last week? You said that you were the first one on them, weren't you? Yeah, I was on them. I was on them. Um, I was on them. I'm off them today, though. All we right, just, righto. Well, we, yeah, yeah, you we, go. We just want a great round 23, so whatever makes next week look good. But we love <laughs> all of those leagues in today's multi. So thanks heaps for joining us, Josh. No worries. Of course, you can download the Dabble app for the Crunch Time AFL team. Check out the goal scorer multi for today and go and have a dabble, dabble socially and gamble responsibly. Plenty more Sunday Crunch Time still to come. Stay with us here. Award-winning crunch time. This is the pre-game show for Thirsty Camel. Answer the camel's call. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Nat Edwards with you. Our experts are here for Buy My Stock. Got excess stock. Visit buymystock.com.au. Josh Jenkins and Nick Dal Santo with us. We're counting down to the clash between Richmond and Hawthorne at the MCG. The equation pretty simple for the Tigers. They need to win their last two games of the home and away season to lock in that final spot. And Richmond assistant coach Xavier Clark has been good enough to join us on Sunday Crunch Time. Welcome to you. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Nick Del Santo just told me that you are the best roommate he's ever had. <laughs> I used to pick Del up when I first uh, when we first got drafted because he didn't have his license. But um, we may have been late a few times. Del, from, from my uh, from my own fault. That, but, would, uh, be, that would be correct. But, um, but no, nah, we we had some good times at the Saints. What was he like as a, a roommate? Was hey, he... He's pretty good. Oh, yeah, he's okay. pretty good. Yeah, I would have figured. <laughs> hey, it's a it's a big game for the Tigers here at the MCG, and I think on paper a lot of people would just think, yep, this one's a tick for uh, Richmond and a, another box to tick as you look to uh, seal up a final spot. But how do you guys assess the Hawks? Because we've seen this year they can be pretty dangerous at times. Yeah, they are. And look, their, their numbers suggest that you know, their transition from the back half is pretty good and their, their ball use and some of their risks that they take, mainly through the corridor and their ball use in that part of the game. So it's sort of one of those ones that we've got to really be mindful of um, from that point of view. But um, and the other thing is, you know, they, they're probably trying a few things that they may be trying to implement into the next year as well. And sometimes it's a little bit hard to understand what they, well, what we're trying to plan for them to do. But if we can get our 80% of right what we need to do and control that part of the game, we should be able to get the game mostly on our terms. And the last two weeks, we've built a lot of confidence out of that. Um, we've, we've changed a couple of things structurally. That's going to be a, help us uh, fall to the ball. And um, we're hoping that we can... Um, continue to do that today. X, you're obviously a really experienced team that have achieved everything there is to achieve in the game, but how difficult and how much attention as coaches do you still need to put on the players about just focusing on the next two hours and not thinking about results and the possibility about getting into finals and all that? How is it still a, a challenge from a coach's perspective to make sure that they're switched on for today and not thinking ahead? Yeah, definitely. And I think this time of the year, you well know, we're probably not going to get a hell of a lot fitter. Yep. Um, and the reality is that the, the teams that can execute their roles and their um, and do the fundamentals of the game the longest, it sounds, you know, it's really cliche, but that's the reality. We know finals footy is high contest, high pressure. And if you can stick to your structures and play your roles and do the fundamentals, that basically what gets you um, to, to where you need to be. And I think that the next two weeks for us is certainly what we need to do in that part of the game. And you know, everyone understanding what they need to do, the, you know, the moments of the game. You know, we've learned some really harsh lessons over probably five weeks ago where we've been really close and um, you know, we just let the composure slip away from us. So you know, they're the parts of the game we'll continue to, to educate our players on over the next um, hopefully six, six weeks or so. Xavier, one of the things that's uh, been most impressive watching you guys from afar and you know, playing against uh, your group that's been around for five or six years has been the versatility of your players. I'm talking about uh, Baker, Rioli's gone forward to back, Marlon Pickett's very versatile, Jaden Short's almost played forward, back and mid, Shea Bolton the same. So is that been has that been something that you guys as coaches have, have tried to drive amongst your playing group and those players have been able to do it or are they just versatile players who you're lucky enough that you can throw them around and you have the courage to within a game to throw them around yeah probably a combination of all the all the above questions there um we, we with daniel he's he's as the forward we probably got to a little bit to be honest he's expiry date because he was playing such an important role for us but he just wasn't having an impact you know, fall to the ball um, from that point of view and and we play a really structured type of brand in our forward half and you know, for him, it was like, how do we move him to continue to get the best out of him and play to his strength? And halfback just seemed so obvious that he was so quick. He was good in the contest. And if we can get him to play a defensive structure, anything could happen. He's having an unbelievable season so far. And Noah Bolter's probably one. We probably too detrimental ourselves. We probably throw him around a little bit too much. We think you know, he can be a really good forward. He can be a good second ruck. 
But the reality is I think he's, he's going to be really good backman for us for a long period of time. So if we can settle him down there, yeah, along with Josh Gibkiss and these guys, they're going to play a lot of footy together. So for now on, I think we'll see those guys settle down. Bolter in particular play back. And the other one you mentioned is um, Liam Baker. He, he's just, I think he's just a star. He's one of those guys that you can actually throw anywhere. It doesn't bother, bother, uh, bother him. Uh, he's, he's great in the contest. You know, if we need to win contests, fall to the ball. We can push him forward. If we need to win contests behind the ball, we'll put him back. So, um, yeah, that's, a, I, I guess, a, a great thing we have within the group. You say I've been watching with interest as well. You've had two rucks in your side at different stages. Uh, Soldo's not in the side. Nankervis can certainly carry the load. But that, you know, you say you want to settle Bolter down as a defender, but you probably need him as a backup ruck as well. Does it make it harder to have your backup ruck as a defender rather than a forward? Or are you just willing to make that work where possible? Or are you going to just use someone who's about six foot? Yeah, I did. Look, obviously, it was a while ago now, 17, you know, um, uh, Sean Griggs, our second ruck. You know, so we sort of make it work from that part of the game. And I guess the way we try, we got two really generally number one rucks in Soldo and Nate. And... It's hard sometimes to play them both in the same team because the reality is one of them has to play forward for probably 40 or 50 or 60% of the game. So, you know, their ruck time is a little bit more limited. So you've got to find other ways where you can get a better benefit for that second ruck to, because the play majority's game time is going to be in a different position, if that makes sense. So, yeah, you know, we've got Benny Miller at the moment who's going to be second ruck and he's played a little bit of forward over the last couple of weeks and, and has actually done quite well. So... The reason why we sort of haven't probably gone with those two um, general rucks is, is, is that um, we just want to try and you know, get that position where they play secondary um, to be able to nail that. I think we all love watching Shay Bolton go about it. He's just so exciting to watch. What is it like coaching him? I can imagine that at some points you just sit back in the box and just marvel at what he's able to produce. Oh, he's yeah, he's been outstanding this year and um, he's been building for a while and He's grown as a person. It's been really good to see that um, within the footy club. You know, we draft him as a, a bottom age 17-year-old and to, to work, see what he's doing now is pretty phenomenal. But he's a pretty cool character. He's pretty relaxed. Not much bothers him. Um, you know, we do a lot of stuff with um, MMRE and talking about staying in your A. And I don't think he has a, a, anything other than an A. He's, a. he's always in that in the moment and he'll just make things happen. He's Like I said, he's pretty relaxed. He knows the game really well now. And really, he's just got to continue to work and get himself in positions where he can impact the game. And um, it's, a, you know, it's really good because he can play forward. We can put him centre square bounce. We can put him around the ball. Um, and he can take a nice mark too. I, I think I might have taught him that one down, maybe. But, uh, <laughs> but no, he, he, he's a very good player. And we're, we're glad to see him just continue growing as, as a person and as a player. So between yourself and Andrew <laughs> McQualter, you're taking all credit for Dustin Martin. Now you're taking credit for his protege in Bolton. This is, uh, Bolton, this is going well. I, I don't think um, he could get off the ground though, Dale. He never took a hanger. <laughs> hey, what about Dusty? I mean, how confident are you that if you make finals, he can return and have some kind of impact? Yeah, we definitely are. Like we we um, full trust in our, our strength and conditioning staff and he's been training well. He's, it's been a little bit of a slow process for him, but over the last week or so, he's starting to show some really good signs. So, you know, he's a he's a seasoned player. He's been durable for a long period of time, Dusty. And, um, you know, I think, you know, getting two or three weeks into him, footy sessions and trainings, um, I think he's proven he's a pretty good finals player. So if we can get there, um, you know, certainly he'll, he'll have an impact. Just out of curiosity, X... Ex- what percentage do you reckon you guys are going at at the moment? So you spoke about the contests and one thing that you guys have been brewing out, probably outside of clearances, it's just outworking the opposition in contests. If you had to put a number on it, how many cylinders are you guys firing at at the moment? Oh, I like V8s, mate, so I'll go for an eight-cylinder. Okay. Uh, we're probably, we're probably oh, it's hard to say, we're probably, we're probably about the 
6-5 sort of mark at the moment. I think the Brisbane game in particular, we, we got a lot of confidence out of that, you know, yep. knowing that we were 42 odd points down and um, our ability to be able to get back into the game and a lot of it the, of the, was the, off the back of contests and our ability to be able to win the contest ahead of the ball was really pleasing. Then we took that into the Port game. So if we continue to build that, we know that um, yeah, that stands up well in, in the back end of the, the finals. What's the one thing, uh, X, you want to take away from the Hawks uh, if, you're to, if you're to win today's game? What's the one threat that they pose? Well, certainly they, they are good in contests, but also their ball movement. Like their ball movement off the halfback, the, their corridor use and the ability to be able to take risks in that part of the game is certainly one area that we will really need to take away. And if we can get a front-half game and what we pride ourselves on, um, they'll go a long way to playing the game in our, on our terms. Xavier, thank you so much for joining us on Sunday Crunch Time and best of luck this afternoon. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Richmond assistant coach Xavier Clark there. We're not too far away from a start here at the MCG. Richmond up against Hawthorne, the big one at 3.20 as well at the SCG. Sydney taking on Collingwood, who are looking for 12 straight wins in a row. That's going to be an absolutely cracking game. And then Essendon and Port Adelaide to finish up the round. Uh, still to come at 4.40 p.m. at Marvel Stadium. Plenty of footy action still to come. Stay with us here on Sunday Crunch Time. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time. Thanks to Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. It's the pre-game show. We're counting down to Richmond and Hawthorne at the MCG. Nat Edwards, Nick Del Santo, and Josh Jenkins with you. Uh, we have our texter of the day for Spinal Ease, and they've won a Spinal Ease pillow. It aligns your head and neck for a great night's sleep. 100% Australian made. You'll love it. Visit spinalease.com.au. You, the texter of the day is uh, Dom. Imagine what Clarko could do with LDU, Simpkin and a healthy Cunnington now mentally committed to another season. Also, he'll nurture Tom Thomas and Horn Francis as they both looked really damaging in the VFL yesterday. So thank you for texting in, Dom, and you've won that spinal ease pillow. So enjoy that. Speaking of, and he mentions LDU. Mm. Luke Davies Uniac this year. Mm. My goodness. He yep. has had a stellar season. He was a what pick number four in the twenty seventeen draft. It's taken a little while for him to get there. He was such a talented junior footballer, but now he's stepping up into that. He's gonna be an A grader for sure. Well, yeah, he's probably just on <laughs> Is his, he already yeah, there? I was gonna say he's pure <laughs> form and maybe to be technically an A grade, you've got to do it for a little bit longer, but he's got a skill set like few others. And um, I did a tiny bit of work with him as a junior and he showed these glimpses of this ability. No, no, Josh, I'm not going there. No, I'm not going there. But, but what you saw is him as a 17-year-old, that he was able to do it against yeah. people his own age. Now, the challenge is, and maybe like the Sam Walsh and a handful of other players ruin it for everybody else, that you can just burst on the yeah. scene and just fit him, you know, seamlessly. But he's always had this burst of speed. And now I think what we're seeing is it takes him, what's that, three or four years we're into now, five yeah. years into his career, and he's averaging, you know, 30-odd in the second half of the year. He gets on the scoreboard. But the other challenge that I want to highlight for someone like an LDU, opposed to some others, he's doing it at a club that's extremely difficult. It's different if you sneak into a team at Geelong and before you know it, you've played 40, 50 games, but there's a core group that are doing the bulk of the work. He's been asked to do a lot of work as a youngster as yeah. well, and therefore your numbers and your impact look completely different. And that's just a reality of the situation. A little bit like the Horn Francis conversation, that it stands out because the leaders haven't been at the level like some other football clubs have. So I think it's real hats-off sort of stuff to LDU for his ability just to grow and continually get better. And 
I think, the back half of his year, and I don't have his exact numbers in front of me, but he's been exceptional. Numbers oh, are off the charts. He has been so outstanding for North Melbourne, a shining light. And we talk about clubs that have had, you know, tough seasons. Adelaide's a, a club, uh, JJ, that you probably keep a, an eye on. But Darcy Fogarty is the other one. The same draft, he was picked number 12. We know that key forwards take a lot longer to... I guess, develop and, and get their craft going. But since round 11, he has kicked 28 goals. He's now got 30 for the season. He kicked four goals yesterday against North Melbourne. And I was probably in the camp probably two years ago where I thought, oh, I'm not sure this kid's going to make it. JJ, how have you seen Darcy Fogarty's uh, development and what's the ceiling for him now? Yeah, I'm not sure what his ceiling is. It's certainly been uh, good to see him come alive because... He was in the SNFL for for a, a fair while. He didn't. I think he kicked two goals in the first five weeks of the season. So he was nowhere uh, early days. He had, he played a game without Taylor Walker that uh, he played quite well in, and maybe that set him up, and maybe that gave him the confidence, but also his teammates the confidence to let's give this guy the opportunity. Let's give him some ball inside. Uh, 51v1. He, we know he's a great kick for goal. He doesn't need as many opportunities as, as some others to kick his three or four, but uh, he's learning, I think, how to get the ball. He's learning how to find the ball a bit more. He's creating more opportunities for himself and probably understanding what it takes to... Because he doesn't have he doesn't have the size that Harry Mackay has. He doesn't... You know, Harry Mackay took a, took a, a mark in the fourth quarter that and Phil Davis called it really well and said, Defenders just can't reach it because of the size of Harry Mackay. Fogarty doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the speed. So he's had to learn uh, how to get the ball using his craft and his nous. And you're seeing him start to figure that out. Question for you, Josh. Would Fogarty be better without Tex Walker beside him? I know they play a very similar role. And it is a great way to learn your craft off a guy that's done it for a very long time and done it really well. But for him to be his best Fogarty, does he actually need to take the role of Tex? Uh, yeah, I think he. I think that would be the plan. I mean, from a natural fit, uh, and we, you know, pl- played with both of those guys in 2018. Darcy played the first probably 12 games of the season in his first season, and uh, they are very similar. You've you've nailed that. I think the natural fit moving forward will be Thilthorpe and, and Fogarty, you know, one 200-centimetre guy who plays closer to goal, uh, goes into the ruck. Fogarty's more the, you know, the uh, mainstay forward. But uh, I think he can't, it can't help uh, – sorry, it can't hurt, but help him learn off Walker out there, understand, you know, Tex is really good at, at, at identifying when you're not moving as much as you should be and uh, helping you stay in the game from a mental point of view. So, yeah, I imagine that – that Adelaide's hierarchy would be thinking if we've got uh, Thilthorpe, who was a number two pick, Fogarty was a first-round pick, Rochelle, if they get their hands on Rankin, Ooh. they are starting to think, well, we've got a, some sort of forward line. And then, you know, wherever sort of or however long Tex can go for is just a bonus because they've got uh, a lot of capital invested in their forward uh, six. You reel off those names that they could get together next year. Doesn't that remind you of a Josh Jenkins, Tex Walker, Charlie Cameron, and another young guy Ooh, called Eddie Betts? Sort yes, of four line I combination. Like hey, Dal. Hey, Dal. Two things there. You've left out Tom Lynch, who will be <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> living on you. The I difference did bump into the chompers during the week as well. <laughs> the difference is uh, Rankin's going to cost. Uh, Rankin was a top three oh, pick. Yeah. Uh, Rochelle, he's a top five pick. Fogarty, Thilthorpe, I think. Uh, Tex Walker was a a New South Wales scholarship 
Uh, I was a rookie. Uh, Lynchy was traded. He was a bust at the Saints, and he, he traded. He was kicked out, actually. He was kicked he out. He traded across to the uh, Crows, and then Eddie was a free agent as well. So uh, hopefully they can do uh, ma- uh, far, far better things than we were able to do. Hey, just uh, while we were talking about you, I'm just all curious. Oh. During the break, you were eating something. I want to know what it was. Were you eating two-minute noodles? No, nothing is uh, off limits for you. Uh, I just need to know where I stand. I was I was eating t- two-minute noodles, and now I'm eating a uh, banana sandwich with a little bit of sugar sprinkled on top. Are you a toddler? What? A banana sandwich? Are you a toddler? What is going on? <laughs> two-minute noodles and a banana sandwich with sugar on top. That sounds revolting. Don't knock it until you try it. It is absolutely uh, delightful. It is, it is probably the food of, of, uh, of under eights, but um, it's tasting pretty good to me. Okay. I I... Whoever thought, just quickly on that, whoever thought, hey, I'm going to put a banana in a sandwich. I get the same feeling with a carrot cake. Whoever thought, hey, I'm going to make a cake. Why don't we put a carrot in it? Oh, we've now lost all the rage now. is like beetroot and like no. making a cake out of beetroot. It, it, my husband made one the other day and it, was, it tasted god-awful. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we digress. Don't forget to check out the AFL record this week, 40 fabulous years. We feature the 40-year anniversary of the Swans moving to Sydney and the coverage includes past and present stars reflecting on the significance of that history, making decisions, the great moments such as Tony Lockett kicking a point after the siren to put Sydney into the 1996 grand final. Lockett's record-breaking 1300th goal in 1999 and of course Lance Buddy Franklin kicking his 1000th career goal earlier this year. The coaching legends who shaped the Swans as well, Tom Hafey, Ron Barassi, Paul Ruse and of course John Longmire. A couple of minutes left to go here on Sunday Crunch Time. We're not far away from game time. The banners are all set, ready to go. I think Kane Lambert's been doing a sort of a lap of honour, obviously announcing his retirement a couple of weeks ago. And Josh Caddy, that's that's, the back of his head there. I can see that now. Uh, Just quickly before we go... The bounce back for Juravege, providing erosion control and environmental revegetation. We want to know, out of this game, who's going to bounce back this week? JJ. I'm just muting myself to have a bite of my sandwich. Uh, Jack. Uh, Jack <laughs> that, that's why I went to you. <laughs> Jack Revolt. Jack Revolt. Uh, he was quiet last week. I expect him to kick three or four. He's uh, had a very good record against the Hawks. Um, how about I balance it out and I'll just go with Hawthorne. As a whole. I like this. As yep. a whole. Yep. So not that they've been dreadful this year, but I want to see a really good contest. So they need to bounce back and bounce up a little bit more than they have been this year. Well, it's certainly going to be an interesting contest. As we said before, the equation is fairly simple for Richmond. They just need to win today and then next week against Essendon uh, to secure their spot in finals this year. Quick tip from the both of you. Uh, I think that uh, the Tigers will get it done. I'm going to say by 32 points. Uh, Richmond by four goals. And the Sydney-Collingwood game, 320, that's the one that I'm really looking forward to. The SCG, that's a toss of the coin for mine. I've tipped Sydney at this point, but, geez, the flag pies look good. I'm going with, uh, with the Swans. I saw their game last week, and, yes, it was against the Kangas, but I just think they've played a really balanced style of football, still really honest in defence, moving the ball extremely quickly at times, which I think you need to do to be really competitive. And not that I'm knocking the pies, and please take this the right way, but surely this run of winning by under a goal can't continue for a 12 Surely, week. Surely it can't Come go on. again. So I've got the Swans at home. I'm, I'm tipping the Swans uh, in a two-goal game. Oh, I think if Collingwood win, I think they should be premiership favourites. Pardon? 
Sorry? They should be, well, what, what have they done wrong? They what about should the be cats? What has this banana what sandwich done to your brain? Uh, they should be premiership favourites if they uh, if they get the job done. Look at who they've beaten last week and this week. They've won 12 in a row. He's deflecting. Everyone wants to knock them. I think someone spiked yeah. his noodles. No, I think I, I think I know what you're doing. You're just trying to take all the pressure off yes. your cats yes. and deflect underdogs. it onto someone we else. Down the highway blah, blah, the underdogs. Blah. We see through you, Josh Jenkins, <laughs> and your banana sandwich with weird sugar sprinkled on top. <laughs> that is all we have time for on Sunday Crunch Time. Nick Dalsando, thank you very much. Thanks, Nat. Josh Jenkins, enjoy your two-minute noodles in your disgusting <laughs> banana sandwich. Thank you very much for tuning in. Some of you are going to stay here for the, at the MCG for the Tigers-Hawks clash, while the others are going to be off to the SCG as we build up to a massive clash between the Swans and the Pies. I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll catch you next week. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.